the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about we can talk about? We can talk about anything from money to investing to stocks to, I don't know. Um, hmm. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Jobs report day. This is going to be a big one. Payrolls in the United States are 192,000 in March. <laughs> Whoa. What's that with that cough? Payrolls rose 192,000. Unemployment 6.7%. So it held. Americans entered the labor force showing steady progress that will probably prompt Federal Reserve policymakers to continue reducing stimulus on the quantitative easing side. Still waiting to increase interest rates, but definitely still continuing that taking away of the quantitative easing. So payrolls rose 192,000 after 197,000 gain in February. That was larger than first expected. So February got revised higher. So it's kind of a double whammy and a good thing. We wanted a 200,000 rise gain. Private employment, which excludes government jobs, surpassed the pre-recession peak for the first time. Employment in January and February was revised higher, showing the effect of the labor market from inclement weather was less than severely was expected. I think that's close to the right way of phrasing it. Private payrolls, which don't include government agencies, increased the most in four months. So we're pretty good with these numbers. You know, inside the numbers... The U.S. has recovered all but 437,000 to 8.7 million jobs, including those that government agencies lost as a result of the last recession. Factory, factories reduced payrolls by 1,000 after adding 19,000 in February. We're more of a service economy than we are a factory economy. A lot more of a service economy. Number of temporary workers jumped 28,000, so these are pretty good numbers. And again, I think the... <clears throat> the number that we really want to focus in on, the U.S. has recovered all but half a million of the 8.7 million jobs lost. Not only are we back to pre-recession level, this is the largest number of hires we've ever had in the United States. When you see growth like that, it's an indicator of something positive. We're seeing a lot of demand here. <clears throat> so that's about as positive as I can put a spin on it, Right. S&P 500 is up 6, the Dow's up 33, the Nasdaq's up 5. So, markets aren't really reacting all that positively to that number, even though there's a lot of hiring. Even though the number one thing in our economy is jobs, and if our economy is doing well from jobs, then we could expect spending to do probably pretty well. So, not a major reaction there. 
So steady as she goes. Average work week, about 34.5 hours. Typically, when you start getting up to this level, you start starting to see more hiring because employers don't want to pay overtime. <clears throat> Weather conditions, reduced hours worked in February, and the work week is now simply at November levels, but it's a good level. There was a disappointing figure in the data that hourly earnings were unchanged. Hourly earnings jumped four-tenths of a percent in February, which was the strongest gain in quite a long time. So year over year, we feel pretty good about these numbers. But it's kind of steady as she goes. It's not sexy. It's not hot. It's not fun. It's kind of steady as she goes. Anything you want to talk about we can talk about? One of the areas that I like talking from time to time are some of the simpler things that we can do to make more money or to start spending less money. Um, I know this is going to sound like a really inane one, and I'm okay with that. But consider buying used clothes, especially for kids. Um, Look into refinancing your car or your house. A couple years ago, maybe things were a little bit different. You had to get a car loan. You got a very high car loan. Rates went lower and lower and lower. Things are a little bit better in your life now. Your credit score reflects that because you've made every payment. Consider a refi. I swear we're going to get to a point where we're all going to have a revolution against cell phone companies. When I look at how much money people don't save in America and how many people have cell phones... Two just don't add up. I'm having problems with my voice today. So, maybe I just need one good cough. I don't know. Maybe I got the black lung. Pap. Pap. I think I got the black lung. Um, There's a lot of things you could do, like magazines, subscriptions. A lot of people don't see the hidden addition of subscription costs in their life. It really adds up. I always have a cold house because I'd rather wear a sweater than, than pay for heat. I know that's kind of crazy, but that's me. Um, try waiting before you buy things that you really want to buy. So you're at Best Buy and you see this super awesome, wonderful thing that you have to have some sort of new technology, some sort of wireless router that you're like, yeah, I would like to get my wireless signal in my basement. So, stupid things. Try to do it yourself. If you can up your paycheck to put more and more and more and more and more of it in the savings, that really pays off and goes quite far. Uh, It's not sexy, but for instance, the radio station that I work with, they've got a kind of an HR, which I'd say is positive, an HR department. One of the things that they do is they automatically enroll you in a 401k unless you opt out of it, and they automatically up your contribution by 1% a year unless you opt out of it. And I think that's actually pretty cool. There's a matching effect there that's pretty nice. It's not the greatest in the world, but free money is free money. But if you could automatically up your own savings, it goes far. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. The United States is probing high-speed trading. Hmm. How do you clean it up? Probably tax it a little bit more. 
Um, with that said, I'm, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on high-speed trading. It's, it's Flash crashes are dramatic and they hurt people, but they don't hurt me, so I'm actually kind of good with it. Um, big IPO today, IMS Health Holdings. It jumped more than 10% in its uh, IPO. There's a lot of IPOs lately, and a lot of them are tied towards cloud service companies. And that's typically a bad sign in that it's kind of telling you that everyone's trying to ring the cash register. This one was a healthcare company, and it's, it's a huge healthcare company. Um, document services management company, kind of for HMOs and for PPOs, as well as for individuals. Um, it's been a big player in getting digital. IMS Health. Take a look at it. Ticker symbols IMS. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. You're listening to Rob Black for Money. I'm Rob Black. Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Google did a big stock split yesterday, and everyone's speculating why. On one hand, they didn't need to do it. But if they want to do mergers and acquisitions and still be under the control of Larry Page and Sir Brin, then there is an urgency to make sure that they don't dilute their own voting power when they go out and take big steps creating two classes of shares, one with no voting rights, makes it much easier for Google to goggle Google Google to gobble up. Google to goggle up. Say that ten times. Google to gobble up. So Google has a structure that prevents outside parties from taking over or unduly influencing management decisions day to day. And on one hand, you kinda like totally respect their decision making. You're like, okay guys, you've got the share price to all time highs. You've done fine. You haven't, like, gone off the road drunk irresponsibly. On the other hand, you're like, but what if they do? So that's why they did it. They want control. Now they may go out and buy Tesla. You're like, no, worst decision ever. But now they have the ability to do it. So in theory, they're a tech monster. They're huge, a behemoth. With a vision. So, despite the management's you know, statement that they have no unusually big acquisition planned, it seems like they may. Nest Labs, they picked up last year, maker of high-tech connected home thermostats and smoke alarms. 
That was seen as Google's bid to strengthen its position, the trend towards the Internet of Everything. They're certainly working on robotics. We know that. Um, Google Glass, self-driving cars, connected appliances. They may want to use their rich stock to go out and acquire, you know, um, how shall we say, relevance? Relevance. Google is invested in developing offerings in the cloud, software of a service layer. So one possible candidate right there is NetSuite. They offer a range of business applications. They have scale. It would be a nice piece of technology. It would instantly get Google more into the quote-unquote cloud. Google's been wanting to get into payments, and they just don't really seem to have any traction. There's a Google Wallet. So why not consider picking up eBay? They could do it for a fraction of their shares. So would it be a home run? It probably would be with them. Because it would give them, you know, muscle in retail. It would give them muscle in transactions, which Apple and Amazon have. In commerce and payments, Google is kind of lagging behind. So, but picking up the building blocks from someone else might be the way of doing it. So Google has a, we will build it ourselves kind of mentality. But they've also not shied away from picking up companies. So they're, they've been acquisitive. Uh, one other name that they're considering, according to analyst speculation out there, is Yelp. So Yelp is very good at what they do. I think Yelp is one of those dominant mobile apps that, if I have 15 mobile apps, that's one of them. Um, I can go into any city in the United States Let's say I want to get a weekend away with my sugar booger. I can go to any city in the United States and find restaurants. That's pretty powerful. Restaurants that I'd like. Restaurants that would appeal to me. Because I'm kind of a picky eater. So, will they do it? Eh. Maybe they go after online payment firm Square. Maybe they go after Jawbone. Maybe they go after Foursquare. Maybe they go after Pandora. Maybe they go after Box or Dropbox. But... Clearly, Google, by splitting their shares <clears throat> and making you, the average shareholder, have no votes, that's good for them because they'll just issue that non-voting shares when they buy people. Whether it's $15 billion of stock that are non-voting or $15 billion in cash, most people always hear that $15 billion, which is kind of, yeah, I'm with it. Um, so the jobs number out today, and it's good. It wasn't great, but it was pretty, pretty, pretty good, in my opinion. There was some, like, with most data points, there's some stories inside stories, like the average work week was not great. S&P 500's up 6, the Dow's up 33, the Nasdaq's up 5 today. So we're kind of dealing with that. Um, one piece of insurance that I have that a lot of people don't know anything about is umbrella insurance. It's something I recommend if you're wealthy. It's It covers your insurance above insurance levels. Like, you'd be surprised by how underinsured you are in your vehicle if you hit a car full of attorneys. Ooh, you don't even want to think about that one. Grubhub stock up 41% on stock market debut. Grubhub posted its IPO at 26 bucks a share. Opens at 36 bucks a share. Again, one of those... Um, Social services on, on phone apps that people love. The ability to get food 
picked up or delivered. Um, I can't. I know this is like, how can this be a billion-dollar franchise? It is. That's one of the things that scares me most about the IPO market is a lot of times you're assuming, okay, here's another company worth a billion. Here's another company worth a billion. And the IPO market's been pretty damn healthy for the better part of 18 months. Um, Everything's coming public. Generic drug company Mylan is mulling the purchase of Swedish pharmaceutical group Meta. Mergers and acquisitions. I like seeing mergers and acquisitions because, for me, that tells me companies are willing to pay for other companies. It's that simple. And if they see two-time sales or three-time sales, if they have some sort of number, yeah, that's what we got. T-Mobile's offered customers who use BlackBerry phones a $100 credit to use toward any new device, including the BlackBerry Q10 or Z10. Basically, this relationship is dead. BlackBerry has ended its licensing deal with T-Mobile. Service will continue unaffected for customers, though. BlackBerry CEO John Chen announced the ending of the deal earlier this week, a move that came after a dispute in February linked to a promotional deal by T-Mobile that offered Apple's iPhone 5S with a discount to BlackBerry users. Um, BlackBerry's history in telecommunication, their, their chapter's closed. So they will never beat Apple. They will never beat, you know, Samsung. They will go on to be an enterprise software company and see what they can salvage out of that. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Chicago Cubs, that elusive World Series, yes, is still there, but they may be coming public. So um, people are starting to see them as talking and expanding ideas. Um, the family that owns the Cubbies and the Chicago Sun-Times, all thinking about different types of voting rights, non-voting rights, like the Green Bay Packers, they're public. Boston Celtics, Manchester United. It would be interesting to see. I don't know. I'm not a Cubbies fan. But I guess some people are. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. So this was a bit of a shocker yesterday. Dave Letterman announced his retirement. I know you're saying that's not terribly shocking. He's sixty six years old. He announced it during a taping of his show that he'd be retiring sometime in twenty fifteen. Instantly speculation went up on who's gonna replace him. Conan O'Brien is being speculated as a choice. Um, Chelsea Lately, being ex- Craig Ferguson, has the first right of refusal. Now, what's interesting about that is his contract's up in 2015. So if CBS decides they don't want Craig Ferguson at 1130, they'll just pay him out through 2015 and say goodbye. So there's a lot of, you know, twists and turns here. Now, Letterman was really, really important to me as a kid. Now, I think we all have people who... 
you know, they admired. I wanted to stay up and watch Letterman. That was my thing in high school. Um, if you've been watching Letterman only since late 90s, you've missed an enormous amount on why people are freaking out about his resignation. It was his early 80s where he was the most innovative, hilarious person on television. His influence extended beyond his show. It inspired a number of comics, a number of late-night talk show hosts. I would say that some of my humor is very Letterman-esque. He was the best that there ever was as far as, you know, the first goofy late-night person. Carson went on and did his thing, and he did it very straight. Letterman was poking fun at himself. You know, Dave Letterman would tell you that, you know, Carson was the best, but Dave changed late night. He kind of broke a mold, uh, much like Howard Stern broke a mold with radio show hosts, where whether you like him or not, you can't deny the influence that he has on the public conscious. CBS show that he hosts today is nothing close to what his greatness was when he was late night with David Letterman, which aired after The Tonight Show from 82 to 93. The writers and you know, the producers and, and Dave himself, they just reveled in the, the goofiness of being absurd. Um, it was a pull apart from what Carson was doing on The Tonight Show. People Magazine in 1984 said something pretty you know, right on about him. They referred to him as America's number one smartass. Um, he was the most innovative man on television. I remember at one point in time he did a, a weather report on the Today Show, and he made stuff up. And he was talking about like how this bridge is being taken over by a dragon and things like that. He flirts with boundaries of politeness and humor. He'll try anything once. Um, he knows what to do when a joke bombs, and bomb they do. That's the price of what happens in media when you experiment. Um, Letterman paid everyone in the audience one dollar once because his jokes were so bad that they were such groaners that he paid everyone a dollar. He had a steamroller of flattened watermelons and six packs of beers just for the heck of it. He staged man-hunting duels between a Russian psychic and bloodhounds, the Russian one. He wore a Velcro suit and threw himself against a wall to see whether he'd stick. He did. He had as guests a woman who costumes birds, a man who collects snowballs, a woman who collects strange nuts. That was awesome. You know, his interviews with kids were, I think, the best thing on television. Again, he is a... a, He's a shade of his old self at this point in time. He's just old. His innovation was in his 30s and his 40s. He gleefully let people make fools of themselves. Stupid human tricks. He had Zippy the late night monkey wear a camera, run around the studio. He got into a feud with a a baseball pitcher that he called Big Fat Tub of Goo. Terry Forster from the Atlanta Braves. He was one of the more likable and entertaining people on television. And again, it's to me sad because at this point in time, he's dialed back his weirdness. He's still funny. He's just not crazy. In his final year, hopefully he'll be a little bit more subversive. Uh, Weird stuff that made him wonderful. The guy under the seats, Chris Elliott. Always liked that gag. Anyhow, anyway, uh, Dave Letterman resigning and retiring, age 66. It, it brings up again the story of you and I, where you and I retire. What will life look like in retirement for me? What will it look like for Dave? So we're all going to have to face it. 
The Mozilla CEO resigned yesterday following some gay marriage controversy. Mozilla CEO Brennan Eight resigned yesterday following pressure that it was revealed that he had contributed to an anti-gay initiative in California in 2008. Everyone kind of knew this, but it kind of became a little bit more public recently. Um, so he stepped down. He gave $1,000 Proposition 8, a measure meant to define marriage as only a union between a man and a woman. The measure passed by a slim margin but was declared unconstitutional in 2012. So was he inclusive? Was he exclusive? I don't know. Solar City's in the news today. They priced through a subsidiary $72 million in solar-backed notes with an interest rate of 4.59%. Solar City is awesome at what they do, and they're becoming more and more dominant. They get into a relationship with you where they install solar for you, and you share the gains that are paid back to you. Whether it's through the cheaper electricity or uh, what's sold back into the pipeline, so to speak. So Solar City is trying to lower cost financing. Stock's gained 218% in the last 12 months. Recently, it's kind of gone sideways, but now they're borrowing more money so they, they can continue to expand and continue to roll out. Um, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. I think everyone likes the idea of solar. And I think slowly but surely, like our children's children won't have options. Solar will be installed automatically. Um, but we're not there yet. So how do we roll it out and or not? Anyway, um, McDonald's has ceased some operations in Crimea. And there's one of those ramifications from Russian Crimea, huh? Citing manufacturing reasons, companies with operations there grow wary over Russia's annexation of the region from Ukraine. Google in the news today. Remember Nest Labs? Nest Labs makes those smart thermostats that kind of start to figure out when you're in the house, when you're not in the house, when you have power needs, when you don't have power needs. So they can kind of start managing your energy for you. You're at vacation. You can dial it down 10 more degrees because you forgot as you were rushing out the house. But they halted sales of their smoke alarm. Nest has a smoke alarm that basically you're allowed to wave your hand to turn it off. The only problem with that is when the smoke alarm is going off and you wave your hand, you want it to turn off. Yes. You don't have to climb up on a ladder and get it down kind of thing. But if you go into a room and wave your hands, it turns off, and then there's a fire, well, that becomes a little bit of a problem, right? Um, Facebook has expressed interest in anonymity. There is a website, there is a social media company called Secret. Now, Facebook always wants you to be you, but there's an app now called Secret that you can tell secrets about people on it. For instance, if your friend is having an affair on his wife... You could post a secret that says on Jim's website, on his Facebook, it says something like, Jim's cheating on his wife. And Chewbacca just chimed in for whatever reason. Facebook spent years defining what it means to have an online identity, and they really wanted you to be you. But with social apps popping up, some of them dating apps, some of them cheating apps, some of them secret apps, Facebook started to show a little bit of an interest in developing some anonymity where you're allowed to spill the beans on things that other people know, other people you work with. Like, I don't know. To me, that just seems all wrong for all the wrong reasons, and I don't like it. So I wish I could unplug from the Internet, and sadly I can't.
800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, a couple more things that you can do is have a little bit more money. Bottled water. Stop buying bottled water. It's the most expensive markup in the in the world. That and, like, cut fruit. If you buy pre-cut fruits and vegetables, like, you're insane. There's something terribly, terribly, terribly wrong with you. I know. Bottled water, two bucks. Out of your tap, two cents. You tell me which one is the right way to go. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. The jobs report today was pretty good on all the headlines, but inside of it, the average hourly earnings was the weakest. So some headlines, some data points you're going to see, you're going to love, and you get inside the numbers and you're like, average hourly earnings of production and non-supervisory employees, um, very, very flat. We want hours worked a little bit higher. We want wages a little bit higher. I don't really care if we get 6.7, 6.6, 6.8 on the unemployment rate. If I could see those wages and those hours trading higher, that's what I want to see. So I solid employment growth and upward revisions along with a rebound in work week. They're good news. The flat growth in hourly earnings and the lack of downward movement in the unemployment rate reminds investors that the Fed has plenty of breathing room. 6.7% is not really 6.7% unemployment. It's how many people are choosing not to work. How many people have fallen off the force of looking for work? Um, all create such big problems. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find me on the Internet, on YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black, Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back on Rob Black. Nice to see you. And over there with our uh, band tonight, a uh, wonderful musical talent, John Mayer, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black here. My name is Rob Black. Joining me today, David Lilienstein with DL Law Group, insurance attorney. Exactly what is an insurance attorney? You know, an insurance attorney... Uh... Oops. Do we have audio there? Ah, uh, there we go. Hello, Rob. There you go. Very good to be back. Thanks for having me once again. Uh, you know, what we do at the, uh, the DL Lager War Boutique Firm, we specialize in one thing and one thing only. We help policyholders deal with their insurance company, whether it's filing a claim, overseeing a claim, or fighting a claim denial. We help people at every level of their interaction with their insurance company. I've had interactions with insurance companies, so this isn't for, you know, people who've been hit by a truck from a company that's doing construction. This is for everybody. Um, I've had insurance interactions with healthcare 
initiatives, you know, taking a family member to the hospital and getting billed and getting billed and getting billed and getting billed. And why wasn't that covered by insurance kind of issue? So... Well, the healthcare, I mean, we can go on about healthcare forever and ever. People, you know, have no idea how bad it gets until it happens to them. Everybody thinks they have coverage, whether it's healthcare, whether it's disability, even life insurance. Uh, then they file the claim, and guess what? Months go by, nothing happens. Or the next thing you know, you're getting bills if it's healthcare from any number of providers saying you owe the money. Or, uh, maybe we'll talk about this later, uh, someone I know uh, had a spinal cord injury. He's in the hospital, he's in pretty bad shape, and before he gets out of the hospital, his health care will not even cover his wheelchair. Why is that? Uh, a wheelchair is a durable medical device, and some policies, you don't know it until you notice it, don't cover durable medical devices. So the hospital says, you know, give us $1,000 or 2000 or 3000 uh, and then we'll give you your wheelchair, and then you can leave. And you don't know it until you encounter it. It's fascinating stuff. Um, we're reminded every day by the headlines of why we need insurance. We're not reminded every day by the headlines of when the insurance companies don't go to bat for you. Um, is it basically, would you sum it up and say insurance companies have an interest in not paying out? Or that insurance companies have a, because they're certainly portrayed that way in the media. Well, as I always say, uh, insurance company claims representatives do not get promoted for paying claims. They get promoted for finding ways not to pay a claim. And it, it's such a conundrum because, on the one hand, insurance companies do pay most claims. They have to because otherwise they, they, people wouldn't buy insurance from them. And yet everybody I know has had a problem with their insurance company at one time or another, if not two or three problems. So, um, yeah, sometimes they'll pay a little. Sometimes they'll pay less than they should. Sometimes they'll delay and delay and delay. And then sometimes they'll just deny outright. Interesting stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the, the myths out there. If you get into a car accident, insurance rates go up or not necessarily? Insurance rates will go up. There's a couple studies that are out now. If you get into a car accident, your rates could as much as double. In part, it depends on whose fault it is. Uh, in part, it depends on whether you file a claim. You know, uh, Now, I see advice all over the Internet. Don't file the claim if you can avoid it. Why? Because your rates are going to go up. There is no regulatory rule that says an insurance company has to keep your rates the same if you file a claim. Uh, now, you could argue if you're a bad driver, your rates should go up. Right. But if you've had insurance for 10 or 15 years and you've never had an accident and somebody rear-ends you, it's not even your fault, but you have to file a claim, should your rates go up? I don't think so. See, it's interesting because I have high deductibles. And uh, so I can get the cheapest insurance I can. But I'm also in the situation where recently uh, two people ran a red light. And she said hers was green. I said mine was green. And long story short, there's an accident. I wasn't going to file that. $1,000 damage. It was it was nominal. But had it been $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, I would have thought about it. But my deductible is 1000 so... It's like, I'm not filing. There's no way. Yeah, there's, there's no point in doing it. And, yeah, if you file that $1,000 claim, your rates will go up. I mean, what the insurance industry has done over the years is they've scared people off of, buying, of filing claims. Unless it's a big claim, unless it's a catastrophic injury, unless it's tens of thousands of dollars, people think, uh, you know, either they'll raise my rates or they'll cancel my insurance. I don't want to deal with that. I'll just pay it myself. But isn't that kind of a problem? Like, we've, we're... We're starting to do the mediation in our own head. We're starting to figure out, well, I probably shouldn't file this one. And 
I don't know. It just it seems like it shouldn't be on us. I, like, think, I don't think we're smart enough. I think it's a big problem. You know, that's that's not why you have insurance. Why do you have insurance? To cover yourself in case of a loss. Whether it's five hundred, five thousand or fifty thousand dollars, that's why you have the insurance. That's why you pay your premiums. I'm not paying premiums to say, well, I'm only gonna file a claim if it's really, really, really big. Otherwise there's all these problems with my insurance rates going up and losing my policy. No. You buy insurance, you know, a rock hits your window, you need a new window, it's eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. And that's why I have insurance, so they can pay for it. Now, you know, if you're if you have a high deductible, if you can afford a high deductible, sure, don't file that claim. But if you have, if you have to pay a hundred dollars out of your pocket, you should be able to have your insurance company pay the claim, and you shouldn't be penalized for it. All very interesting stuff. We'll talk about this and more in the second hour of the show today. But a little bit more about your company, DL Law Group. How do people know t- t- that they need a lawyer? You know, either they're sophisticated and educated enough to know that their insurance company is messing with them, or they're aware enough to know that, wait a minute, why is the insurance company not just paying this claim? I've given them everything they need, and yet they're still not paying. I'm starting to sense that these guys do not want to pay this claim. That's when you hire the lawyer. I have people who call my firm before they even file a claim sometimes. They're just not so sure they want to deal with their insurance company themselves. They want a little muscle behind their interactions with the insurance company. And when that letter comes in from a lawyer saying we're filing a claim on behalf of X, Y, or Z, uh, the insurance companies tend to listen a little more. They take you a little more seriously. It's an unfortunate reality, uh, but that's what our firm does. We'll talk about that more. How can people contact you, David? The DL Law Group, www.dllawgroup.com. Go online, check us out. There's all kinds of numbers, faxes, emails, you name it. Sounds good. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Most days I talk about the economy and the stock market. Today we're going to be taking a different angle, and we're going to be talking about insurance and attorneys that work inside the insurance industry on your behalf. Joining me today, David Lillianstein, long-term friend, and someone who I've done some law with in the past. Uh, He's given me some pretty good insight. What is DL Law Group, David? DL Law Group, boutique firm, insurance litigation only. We don't represent insurance companies. We represent the insureds, the policyholders, the people who are trying to get their policies paid and who are having problems with their insurance company getting those claims paid or even sometimes paid attention to. What is an insurance attorney? An insurance attorney is someone who either sues insurance companies, litigates against insurance companies, or just helps people maneuver the insurance industry, the insurance claims world, the area that is this vast black hole. You file a claim. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We help people. uh, We shine a light on that. We help people understand what's going on with their claim. We help them understand what they need to do to get their claim paid. When should someone feel like they need an attorney? Are there signs? There are a lot of signs. First of all, you can just get denied right outright before you do anything else, before you appeal, before you tell the company you disagree with what they've done, immediately 
call an insurance company. The insurance company calls you on the phone and says, you know what, we're going to deny your claim. They don't send you anything in writing. The second you get that call, call an attorney. Call someone who specializes in insurance law. Not just any attorney, someone who specializes in insurance law. That's all we do at the Neo Law Group. If your insurance company is delaying, you send them the paperwork. They say, thanks very much. Could you send it again? We didn't get it. Could you send more? We want more paperwork. We want all your taxes for the past 15 years because you filed a $1,000 auto claim. Call an attorney because they're not entitled to this information. They will ask and ask and ask. They will try to shift the burden often onto you, the insured. It's their burden to do the investigation. It's their burden to get the information. But they don't hesitate to say, no, unless you give us more, we're not going to pay. What does it actually look like when you help people? Are you giving second opinions? Are you becoming their advocate? What does David Lillianstein on your side mean? David Lillianstein on your side means, first of all, that the insurance company is going to pay you, and they're going to pay you something on your claim. That's sort of the end game. Uh, the beginning is to understand, are you doing what you need to do? Do you need an attorney to write a letter for you? Do you need that muscle, that legal muscle behind you to help your insurance company pay attention to your claim so that you get the benefits of your policy. You know, this is the insurance industry. You're, you're paying for a promise. Is there any other product like that out there? I don't know of one. You pay for a promise, hopefully a promise that you will never have to collect on. But when it's time to collect, somehow it's a lot harder than it appeared when they took your premiums. It's interesting because I think people get into a world of hurt and then they need the attorney. And a world of hurt could be you're taking your three-year-old son to the hospital. You go to Sequoia. You realize they don't have a children's hospital, so they send you to another children's hospital. So you go to Palo Alto, and then they're like, no, no, the children's hospital is on the east side. You're on the west side of the building. So you go to the east side, and then suddenly you get a bill for three emergency room visits from all three hospitals. Um, and that's when, you, you know, that's when it hits you. Like, this is going to be a $60,000, $80,000 affair before all is said and done on what's a general infection. Um, but you don't know because as a parent, you're just trying to love your kid and take good care of them. And then, you know, these crazy bills get involved and you're like, I have insurance. I thought I had pretty good insurance. I'm paying a lot of money. And it, it you're behind eight ball. Well, uh, that's just it. I mean, why do we buy insurance? We buy insurance for peace of mind. When you take your child to the hospital, you have the peace of mind to know, look, I have the insurance to cover it. And the last thing you expect is your insurance company not to have your back when you really need that kind of help. Uh, that's why you hire an attorney. That's why, you know, sometimes you just don't have a choice. I don't recommend people hiring attorneys and litigating and filing lawsuits and all that. <clears throat> we do it because we have to. We do it because the insurance company gives you no choice. They should pay your claim. Any legitimate claim should be paid. What the insurance industry will say is, well, there's all these fraudulent claims out there. Look at this. Look at that. Sure, in the auto industry, there's people who will stage accidents and the like, but that's not an excuse to deny claims. That's not an excuse to say, well, we, we're really skeptical of you because you own a Camaro. We think you're trying to rip us off. Uh, they profile people. They take advantage of people who don't understand the industry. They take advantage of people who might not be sophisticated enough to deal with an insurance company uh, on a legal level. Uh, they'll do anything they can to save some money, at least in my experience. I had a family member fight with an insurance company for a prolonged period of time. She just didn't understand co-insurance, co-payments, um, family insurance where three of the four members of the family have to hit their minimums before something else kicks in. and It, it was just incredibly frustrating. But in the end, she called you, and you helped set her straight. And like She didn't know that Blue Cross Blue Shield, that you could actually ask the insurer to 
run that procedure through Blue Shield because they've only run it through Blue Cross. And it, we don't know these things, Dave. Like, how, how do we get educated on that? Shouldn't there be a, a Insurance Claims 101 in high school or something? There should definitely be Insurance Claims 101. You know, the Department of Insurance, they do their best, but they're so understaffed and they're so underfunded uh, that you can call, call them up. Maybe you'll get some help. There are helplines available. Yep. Uh, in the healthcare world, there's also the Department of Managed Healthcare. It deals with HMOs. If you have a problem and something that won't get covered, you can appeal to the DMHC, uh, and they have their own independent review process. But the success rate's 30, 35%. So one out of three people is going to get their claim paid. Two out of three people aren't. You know, our website has a primer for uh, insurance uh, questions, dllawgroup.com. You can go on the dllawgroup.com website, and you'll, you'll understand what is insurance bad faith, what is an insurance company's duties. Uh, go online, do whatever Googling you can to, for questions you have about insurance. The information is out there. You just have to know where to find it. And you really have to narrow your search. That's the big issue. And do you feel that the healthcare insurance companies have managers who are basically there to stonewall you, to you know stop you from the process from going forward, to get you to lose faith in the system? To because I, I feel that way. And maybe I'm jaded. Maybe that's maybe that's not true. Maybe there are some great workers on the insurance side. Uh, in my experience, the ins- the healthcare industry in particular is a deny first kind of industry. If you fight them, if you challenge them, if you have your doctor write more uh, more appeals, if you have your doctor submit more information, then often claims can get reversed. But when you have this deny first mentality, you know, most people walk away, just like you. Most people are going to get frustrated. They think they can't fight City Hall. They don't think to get an attorney or it's over a $100 prescription, or a $200 procedure, or a small amount of money, where if you pay a lawyer, you're going to pay a lawyer five or six times as much. So they know that. They know you're not going to get an attorney to force them to pay for a certain prescription, and they know that you're probably going to walk away. A friend of mine got a vasectomy recently, and when he asked the doctor, he said, is insurance going to cover this? He said, of course insurance is going to cover this. This is in their best interest. It's much cheaper to do a vasectomy than it is to have a child. And then when he does the procedure, he gets the bill for basically it wasn't covered. It was somewhat covered, like 60% covered, which is probably pretty good in today's terms. But he still had to pay a lot of -of out-of-pocket, and he was a little surprised by it because the doctor's knowledge was incorrect. Well, even the doctors get surprised. And, look, it's not just the individual consumers, the policyholders like us who are having their claims denied, you know, doctors don't get paid. Hospitals sometimes don't get paid. It's a big problem out there. They force you to come back at them multiple times before they consider paying your claim all too often. We'll talk about this and more. It's David Lilienstein. You can find him at dllawgroup.com. It's dllawgroup.com. Take a break here. Be right back. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Joining me today, David Lillianstein, attorney at law. I refer to him as my insurance attorney. I think he knows general law pretty well. Don't be shy about reaching out to him. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. David Lillianstein at DLLawGroup.com. Let's talk a little Obamacare. New health law um, brings with it probably a lot of new lawsuits, I would imagine. Probably a lot of bad medical insurance stories. You know, that that remains to be seen. Certainly, if you cover more people, in theory, you're going to get more claim denials. In theory, you're going to need more attorneys and, and more action uh, to hold the insurance companies accountable. You know, Obamacare, it's such a... The Affordable Care Act is really what we should be calling it. And it's such a divisive piece of legislation. And yet, the 7 million people now have insurance who didn't have it before. And that's one of the big questions. They don't seem to tell you how many weren't covered. They just tell you how many have signed up through the various exchanges. So we don't know if that's 7 million brand new uh, insureds or just a million or 2 million. Uh, but the more people who have health insurance in this country, in the best country, the richest country, the most affluent country in the world, uh, y- y- people have to have health insurance. It's such a basic, basic part of it. How, how are we supposed to have a prosperous country if people don't have health care? So uh, I'm glad that people are getting health care now. I'm glad that pre-existing conditions are now covered. Can you imagine an insurance company says, sure, we'll insure you, but that bad back of yours, sorry, if anything goes wrong with your back, uh, you got nothing. Um, the fact that they've been getting away with that for year after year after year, and that has now come to an end, I think is, is a huge, huge benefit to people. Um, you know, I know someone, she, uh, she's not a rich person, she's right in the middle there, and she was very, very afraid about health care. She didn't have health care, she couldn't afford health care. Um, she went on the California exchange, and now she has it. She was very happy with the process. I was quite surprised to hear this. She spent about 20 minutes online, uh, and, you know, the way she described it um, is that uh, instead of you coming crawling to them, now they, the insurance companies, have to come crawling to you to get that coverage. And I think that's, that's an amazing thing. And the only other comment about o- Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, is this idea that health care is tethered to your employer. What a horrible idea. You know, some people have one job and stay the job, not because they want the job, not because they care about the job, but because they want the health care. Now they can get the health care on their own, and if they want to be an entrepreneur, they can try and be an entrepreneur. They're not tethered to their employer simply for health care. You brought up pre-existing conditions, and in my world of finance, I always try to tell people, be healthy. Healthy is cheaper than being sick. Cheaper means you're able to save more money. I had a pre-existing condition where I snored, and a girlfriend really urged me to get uh, my uvula taken out if she knew a sleep doctor. And uh, so I did. I doctor cost eight thousand dollars. Insurance covered. It was you know I did a sleep study that showed that I had some snoring apnea issues. Now I didn't know that it was going to haunt me for the rest of my life because apnea and snoring basically leads to heart attacks for people. So now I'm a heart attack risk. So my health insurance is more. My life insurance is more. It was a learning process that I'm not very pleased with the results. And now I'm telling people, when you go to your doctor, lie. If you have an occasional cigarette, don't tell them. If you have an occasional drink, don't tell them. Because it will it will affect all your rates everywhere else in your life. Well, I think that's exactly true. Uh, and that's not good advice. <laughs> um, well, I will never count on anybody to lie. Uh, I hope my wife and daughter are not listening to uh, to your, uh, your your surgery solution to snoring, uh, because I think they'll be telling me to go to the doctor. But, yeah, I think it's very, very risky. When you tell a doctor everything about your history, 
somebody, somewhere, sometime is going to request those records, and they're going to see that, oh, five years ago you said you had a cigarette, therefore you're a smoker, therefore you're a chain smoker, therefore we're going to raise your rates on something, or whatever it may be. I feel depressed today. Oh, you had depression five years ago or ten years ago. There's this one little note with no context whatsoever. You probably don't even go to that doctor anymore. And yet some insurance company along the way is going to see that, and they're going to use that to raise your rates or somehow try to use it against you. So I would never say lie to your doctor, but realize that what goes in those doctor's notes can become a quasi-public record on down the line. And it's frustrating because we don't know, and what we don't know can hurt us. Um, you know, five years ago I was going through a stressful period. Someone said, go to your doctor, get some Xanax. Um, doc says, what, what do you stress about? I said, a little anxiety over work. And that follows me as I'm a potential suicide risk because of anxiety. And health insurance companies and life insurance companies change the way they treat you, um, all because of your medical records. So it's, it's, again, what we don't know, David, that's the thing that continue, hits me when I talk to you, is that we don't know how to file. We don't know the insurance industry. We don't know the games to play. Um, it's frustrating. Well, look, the, you know, this is David and Goliath kind of work that we do with the DL Law Group. Insurance industry is very well financed. Not only do they have the in-house lawyers, they have the outside counsel that get paid very, very, very well to defend them. It's not a matter of right versus wrong. It's a matter of can we win in a court of law? Can we litigate your case so much that you're just going to give up? Or you'll take 50 cents on the dollar, 40 cents on the dollar, 80 cents on the dollar. Can they do whatever they need to do to save the money? And let's also remember that insurance companies have their own reinsurance. If they lose a lot because of, let's say it's an earthquake or some big natural disaster, they're not the ones who are losing all the money because they spread their risk out. They're not foolish in the way they do their business, so they're always going to limit their downside. Let's talk a little bit more. Is there anything else that we need to know about getting health insurance? Is there an approach? Do you shop it? Do you go with a high deductible? Are there better insurance companies, in your opinion? In my opinion, there are some better insurance companies. Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they have their benefits, but once again, it depends on what the issue is. Let's say you're someone with a child, and your child has behavioral problems, and you know you're going to need uh, behavioral health uh, care and therapy for your child. Make sure whoever you talk to, whether you check online, whether you, talk, whether you get something in writing, a marketing piece, a talk to an insurance broker or an insurance agent, make sure you tell them exactly what you think you might need down the road, and make sure you look at your own policy. Here's the one thing that people never do. They don't look at their policies. They don't read their policies. I realize insurance policies are not the clearest examples of writing. If you want me to look at it for you and you have a question, we'll look at your policy at the DL Law Group. We review policies all the time and we'll tell you if you have the coverage you think you have. But if you come to me and say, I've had this policy for five years and I thought it covered this, and it turns out it doesn't, and I ask you, did you read your policy? And you tell me no, that's too late. Read your policy or have an attorney read it for you. Have them tell you what specifically might go wrong with your policy. Where are the shortfalls? Where are the limitations? We will do that. We're happy to do that. We want people to be educated about their policies. Yeah. And again, like you said, no one's going to read their policy. So <laughs> that, that could probably benefit from a, a rewriting of make it look simpler. Here's what it covers. Here's what it doesn't. A one-sheeter. 
you know, it, it, when I first the first insurance policy I read, I had no idea what I was looking at. Now, after you read hundreds and thousands of these things, you know, you know exactly what to look for. You know where the holes are, and you can point that out to people. And that's one of the services we provide. Good stuff. You can find David at dllawgroup.com. It's dllawgroup.com. KDOW traffic. Bay Bridge in this update. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. Sitting with me today, David Lillianstein, personal friend, also an attorney. He's here to talk about insurance issues. He's here to talk about when you do need an attorney. I was uh, going through a business breakup 15 years ago where I was basically moving to the West Coast and leaving my business behind on the East Coast and an attorney basically told me at one point in time, I was stressed out of my mind because I had founded a company that had grown incredibly nicely, and all the losers that were back on the East Coast, they would never have been able to succeed, achieve what I had built. And basically, they kind of stole the company from me when I left. But my attorney here, as we're splitting up, he goes, don't stress. You're going to feel better in three months. And that was the best advice. It, it, it really took an attorney telling me that everything's going to be okay. It, it's kind of a weird relationship that you have with, because people are coming to you at times of, of drama. Yeah, it's almost like we're you know we're counselors, we're therapists, um, we're friends, we're certainly confidants by law, we're confidants, and I look at what we do, what the DL Law Group does, what I do as an attorney is to take people's stress away from them. Don't you worry about getting this paid. And look, insurance is about money. If someone's not getting paid, if you have a disability claim and you're not getting paid your disability benefits and you have no income, you are freaking out, guaranteed. My job, I feel, is to help lessen that anxiety. We will take care of it for you. I will tell you, you know, everything you need to know about it could go this way, it could go that way, the various permutations of a claim, of a battle with an insurance company. But let us worry about it. Let us get frustrated for you. There's nothing worse than dealing with an insurance company being told, we don't think your claim is valid because of X, Y, or Z. You didn't give us this. You didn't give us that. And your response is, of course I gave it to you. I gave it to you three times. Every time you tell me you didn't get it, you changed claims exam claims representatives on me. So I'm dealing with three different people. I have to reinvent the wheel each time. It's enough to drive you crazy. But that's why you come to an attorney. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take away that stress. We're going to take away all that frustration. Uh, and we're just going to make it easy for you. It can be as easy as writing a letter from an attorney to get someone's attention. But it could go as high as lawsuits. Uh, what percentage of claims or what percentage of interactions where people come to you end in a lawsuit? There are certain companies that are going to fight you all the way. Uh, State Farm, they like to fight you. They're not going to settle your case. Geico, 
I had a great interaction with them. I gave them more information. They paid the claim. I was ready for a fight. I was my the hair on my back was up on end. I was ready to go, and they're like, "No, we're going to pay this." And I was like, yeah, "Really?" It's like, "Yeah, well, you know, we know you deal with people, and we want people to know that we're a good company, and that if we get it wrong, we're going to fix it." And there there are different cultures at these insurance companies. I, I would say most claims get resolved without litigation. Of those claims that go to litigation. Uh, you know the statistics, 98% of all cases settle at some point. The courts don't want you there. They're too crowded. There are too many lawsuits uh, for the funding and the resources that the courts have. So they are going to order you to go to some kind of alternate dispute resolution. Go to a mediator. Go talk to a magistrate judge. Have them talk to you. Work it out yourselves. It doesn't always happen, but especially when you're dealing with insurance companies, they don't like risk. And the laws in California are very consumer-friendly. If an insurance company acts unreasonably, it can go as high as punitive damages. doesn't happen very often, but it's certainly something the insurance companies know they may be on the hook for. And they want to get things resolved. One of the more enlightening moments of my life, I have two brothers who are attorneys, and jokingly they said, have you ever hit someone in a car, put it in reverse, and make sure they're dead? Because a dead person's worth a lot less than someone who's disabled. And getting into a car accident, uh, roughly that point in time in my life, I got rear-ended and a um, little neck sprain. And they said, you can get $3,000 for it. That's all the state of Virginia is going to give you. You're going to get no more, no less. It's, it's quantifiable. A neck sprain is $3,000. So I told the insurance company, 3000 And they're like, sure. And it was, it, it's kind of mathematical. It, do you find that, or am I being too um, on, on the fringe with that commentary? No, when it comes to especially the automobile insurance world, it is absolutely they have there are companies out there who create algorithms for the insurance industry and you know those algorithms are always going to undervalue a claim if you get into a what we call a soft tissue kind of uh, of accident and your neck hurts or something like that uh, they're going to say that you know your claim is not even worth three thousand dollars these days um, they absolutely know, they've done been doing this so long they have the actuaries they have paid these claims over and over and over again and then they once you prove what you have they're going to tell you exactly the maximum they're going to give you interesting stuff let's talk bad lawyers um i think there is a cliche that lawyers uh you know are in it for themselves that you know they got out of college and they decided to stay in school a little bit longer and let's rack up a huge college bill but uh we'll we'll do billable hours i had a, I had a lawyer once business lawyer you know his emails were charged at 15 minutes for an email. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I love talking about bad lawyers because, look, like any profession, there are the good eggs, there are the bad eggs. Yeah, there, I've had cases that did not settle simply because the defense attorneys didn't have enough billable hours in. And without exactly saying it outright, they pretty much said, look, we haven't worked enough on this case. What does that mean? We don't have enough billable hours. That's how they. That's how they get paid. Uh, it's horrible. And, but it gets worse. You know, there's attorneys out there. You see these late night commercials. If you have mesothelioma, call us. You know, they're not going to do anything for you. What are they going to do? They're going to refer you out to someone else. They don't care about you at all. They're just looking for some kind of referral fee from a third party. Stay away from those kinds of lawyers. Uh, you know, the, nothing good is going to come of it. Yes, if you have an injury and you deserve to be compensated. 
you know, that's an issue if you feel like you want to file a lawsuit. But when you just go to an attorney who's trolling at 2 in the morning uh, for someone to refer out who's really not going to pay much attention to your case at all, um, I would stay away with, from those kinds of lawyers. You know, there, there was a the case that came down recently. Um, somebody, uh, some school had a uniform, and the uniform had a logo. And on the logo there were two words, tomorrow's leaders. And some parent decided that his kid wasn't going to be one of tomorrow's leaders, so he filed a lawsuit. He found a lawyer, got to file this case, and they actually, so far at least, have won. Free, you can't force someone into, free, into saying something like tomorrow's leaders, but who's ever going to complain about that? What lawyer would want to fight a case where your, your kid has on his uniform tomorrow's leaders? Who, you, know, you want your kid to be a follower? I guess these people did, uh, and they got a lawyer to help them do that. There's a Bay Area tax attorney who advertises a lot on television, and I was talking to a CPA firm, and he was like, yeah, you probably don't want to use the big name guys, because that's all the IRS ever sees, because most people go that direction. Um, and they kind of resent the fact that, you know, they're doing that factory advertising angle. Um, DUI attorneys also. You'll see a lot of DUI attorneys say that they got your interest in heart and... They're just going to give you off to a, an associate. You know, they'll maybe make that initial call, but you'll never hear from them again. Well, that's a that's a very good point. You know, I talked to everybody at the DL Law Group who we represent. I you know, I talked to individually. I'm the boss. The buck stops with me. Of course, if there's a lot of work to be done, other people will assist. But if you go to a big firm and you're never going to talk to the partner. The, what benefit is there of being in a big firm? You know, a lot of people have good big reputations. But if they're not going to get down into the trench, if they're not going to actually work on your behalf, if they don't even know who you are, then why are you paying these outrageous amounts of money for their time? Do you have any great stories? I mean, I, I, my brother David, he's an ambulance chaser, um, personal injury attorney. Um, he had a story once about how a dad took his 18-year-old daughter to a bar on her birthday, got her drunk. Um, her and her three friends get in a car basically drive off, kill another, get into an accident, kill two other people, six people dead, and there was like $50,000 of insurance on the car. So he was trying to figure out, who do I sue? Do you sue the dad? Do you sue the bar? Do you sue the bartender? Do you sue the liquor maker? Do you sue the automobile companies? Because you can't bury six people for $50,000. Like, all the insurance money just goes putting people in a box and put them in the ground. And those were very enlightening stories to me because personal injury attorneys have horrible reputations. But sometimes they're also trying to solve horrible problems. Well, I think that, yeah, the, the P, I, we do not do PI work. We're not personal injury attorneys. You know, one of the, the, the big problems now is, I, I think, in medical malpractice, where there are all these caps on the, the amount of damages. So, you know, you could be horribly disfigured. You could be paralyzed. You know, doctors do make mistakes. And if they make mistakes, and somehow it's always the same doctors who are making the same mistakes. But the insurance company has everybody believing that, oh, those lawyers are out there making, making all this money and, and driving your rates up. No, they're putting the doctors in the middle and making doctors believe it's the, it's the lawyer's fault when the insurance industry is charging these outrageous premiums. But that's not a story. Let me give you a story. There was a disability case uh, a few years back, and this gentleman was disabled, but the insurance company wasn't sure about it, so they decided to do some surveillance on him. Well, the surveillance report came back, and there he was throwing a football in his front yard, looking like a spry young athlete. How could this person possibly be disabled? Plain denied. See you later. Well, it turns out they were surveilling the old man's son. 
and the son was throwing the football around. The old man wasn't doing anything. They got it completely wrong, uh, and they paid a, a hefty price for that mistake. Interesting, because I thought for sure it was going to be. I thought the story was going to go a different direction there. We all have great stories, um, but I think attorneys in particular have some good ones because life's moments are pretty dramatic for you. You know, there's there's a part of the litigation process called discovery when you ask for documents and you ask the insurance company to give you information. And there's a company, uh, this is also from a few years ago, called Unum. We've all heard of Unum. Sure. They had the Hungry Vulture Award that they gave to their employees. The hungry vulture, I just want to kill someone, it said. What does it mean? We're looking for ways to deny your claim. If you're the hungriest vulture and you can deny the claim and save the company the most money, you're the one who's going to get the promotion. Not a good business practice. You can find David Lillianstein at dllawgroup.com. That's dllawgroup.com. Pretty good guy. I think you'll like him. We'll take a break here. Be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I was just talking to David Lillenstein off air, which I should never do because those are some of the best stories. Um, about how, you know, 10 years ago when he and I, you know, he was single in San Francisco, he's like, I didn't see a lot of, you know, people who were sick. You know, it wasn't in my, my demographic per se, but yet you were still in this business. And now that you're married and settled down, you hear more stories about families getting just financially ruined because healthcare or a disability. Um, going bankrupt, leaving the state, uh, going going on food stamps. I mean, it, unfortunately, it happens all the time. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hear a lot more about this. We talked about uh, the young man who who fell. He had a spinal cord injury. Fell from a third story balcony. He shattered some vertebrae in his neck. His name is Arash, and uh, you know now he he had his own battle with his health insurance company. Uh, he couldn't even get a wheelchair. He had to pay for his own wheelchair uh, coming out of the hospital. Are you kidding me? Your health insurance company is not going to cover that? Or, you know, what about all the therapy you need? Guaranteed, your health insurance company, if you suffer from some kind of traumatic injury and you need the physical therapy, one would think they'd want to give it to you because that means you'll charge less, you'll have less care needed down the road. No, he didn't have anything close to what he needed. And now, and we'll hear a lot more about this in in the coming few months, uh, you know, he's fighting for the rights of others so that people do get that wheelchair when they come out of the hospital. So they do have the home medical supplies and home care covered. Because when you're young, and he was young when this happened, when you're young, you just don't think about that kind of stuff. You don't think that, hey, this could happen to me. So when it comes to a disability policy, do you pay attention to your disability policy? No. Do you realize that maximum you're going to get paid if you get disabled and can no longer work is about 60% of your salary uh, if you get your insurance through your employer? Nobody really knows that. They think, yeah, I have disability coverage. I have no big deal. Uh, do you realize that the health insurance company is going to, uh, the uh, sorry, disability insurance company will force you to file for Social Security disability because every dollar you get from Social Security is one dollar they don't have to pay you? You don't know that. You don't think about it. Nobody tells it to you. And, yeah, you know, you're walking through life thinking you're invulnerable, and then you get older and you realize you're not. 
I see people email me, David, and they'll say, you know, I've got a million dollars, I've got a good salary, my wife's got a good salary, kids are in college. I'm like, you have disability insurance. And no. People don't think of disability. I think disability insurance is more insur- more important than life insurance from age 20 to 60 because that's the time where you work and earn money. And you're not likely to die until you're 83, 85 now. Uh, by the time, you know, your kids go into life, they're, they're going to live to 92, 95. Uh, so disability insurance is much, much more important in my world of financial planning than life insurance is. Disability insurance is, is essential. It's hard to get the good policies anymore. Back in the 80s and 90s, when interest rates were very high, all these companies, uh, Paul Revere, Provident, Unum, they tried to corner the market. They offered the best policies in the world, guaranteed renewable, non-cancelable, low premiums, high monthly benefit, and then people started making claims. They don't offer those policies now. So if you can get a policy that pays you for five years or ten years, um, look very seriously at that. Um, try to understand mental and nervous limitations in a disability policy. A lot of policies policies will pay you for two years. If you have some kind of mental health problem, all you get is two years of benefits. That's it. They don't want to pay you for that. If your back hurts, you have back pain, uh, they're going to do everything they can to avoid paying you. Look, if you lose your arm, if you lose a leg, uh, if you have some kind of dismemberment, uh, it's hard for them to fight that. But if there's a way that they can fight it, they're going to. Uh, but get that policy, get that coverage, understand what your options are. Because if you lose your ability to, to be a wage earner, to be the head of your household, uh, it's one of the worst things that can happen to you. Let's talk about maybe companies that you would use. Let's say you have an 18-year-old son. What company would you send him to to look for disability insurance? What I would do is I would establish a relationship with a good insurance broker, not an agent. An agent usually represents one company. They're going to offer you one or two options from the same company. Find an insurance broker uh, because, look, insurance, it's like a supermarket. They have products come, products go, premiums go up, premiums go down, and you have to have someone who's an expert who knows what the current state of the art is in terms of insurance. Um, I think the Guardian sometimes is good for disability insurance. Uh, I think the question is, does your son or your daughter or you, do you have insurance through your employer or do you have your own policy? I will always recommend getting your own policy. You have stronger rights if you get denied, and the potential benefit is almost always going to be greater if you have your own insurance policy, an individual policy, and not one through your employer. Let's talk earthquake insurance. My generic advice on the retail is insure what you can't afford to lose. If you owe a million dollars and you have no equity, don't insure it. If it's a million-dollar home and it's paid off, consider it. If you can afford to lose a million dollars, don't do it. If you can't afford to lose that million dollars and that's your whole retirement nest egg, do it. What's uh, your take on earthquake insurance? Well, I think it's just so amazing that uh, insurance companies are more than happy to insure your home Except if there's an earthquake. I mean, really. Okay, there's a fire. There's a chance that's going to happen. We're in California. There's a chance an earthquake's going to happen, too, but they want nothing to do with it. They're going to lower their risk. Uh, I, I completely agree. The more equity you have in your home, the more you should consider earthquake insurance. It's very simple math. If, you know, if the bank owns your house, why would you get earthquake insurance? If you own your house, you should definitely get earthquake insurance. The other thing you need to realize is understand what you own so that if something happens in an earthquake or a fire or something else, you can prove to the insurance company that you have what you say you have. Take a video 
store it up in the cloud, make sure if you have nice clothing that you show the label in the video so you can say, I own this kind of clothing. If you have a nice computer or a big screen TV or whatever it may be, make sure you have a video of that so that you can prove if there's a loss that you actually suffered that loss and you're not just making it up. So what's the best way to contact you, David? David Lewis inside. DLLawgroup.com. It's www.DLLawgroup.com. We have an 800 number. We have an office in San Francisco, office in the South Bay, 415-678-5050. 415-678-5050-DLLawgroup.com. Thanks very much. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black. Radio State. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.